Okay, so today I wanted to talk a little bit about muscle biology. I think this is really important for you to have some context so that you better understand why you need to be doing certain things, why certain things are effective, why you're getting certain results versus other results, all the things. So I'm not going to go in super, super deep, but I think everybody should be a little bit aware of what is going on as far as our muscle biology. So let's get started. One of the big things to know is that as we age, we are losing muscle naturally, unless we are actually doing something about it. So the estimated rate of loss is somewhere between 3 and 8%, depending on how active you are and how much you're using your muscles and probably some genetic factors as well. And that is per decade. So it is a slow rate of loss, but it is a definite rate of loss. If you think about usually what is replacing that muscle is fat, unless you're just actually getting lighter. <laughs> In other words, that your weight is falling you know, decade after decade, then okay, it might be that you're just losing the muscle and not replacing it with fat, but most likely your weight is staying about the same and you're replacing that muscle with fat or your weight is rising, which means that you're losing that muscle, replacing that with fat, and then adding a little bit more fat on top. But in any case, this is a totally natural process. And it is one that has public health authorities very much alarmed because what happens over time, if you think this process starting at age 20, by the time you are retired and older, as we are living longer and longer lives, you have lost a lot of your muscle. That means that you are slower and weaker than you were before, less able to recover from illness, and less able to live independently. And this, of course, has a lot of public health repercussions. So I think Everybody who is thinking about public health is thinking about things like how can we get the population to take better care of their muscles so that they are in good shape going forward. Now for us women, uh, the rate of decline in our muscle mass actually increases after menopause. And if you think about, you know, your mothers or aunts or other women that you know that are 20, 30, plus years older than you, you will notice a difference in how quickly they move, how well they stand upright, how easily they can lift their grocery bags. Most of them can't open jars on their own anymore and all the things. And this is a direct consequence of the loss of muscle mass. Of course, you know, some people have illness and other things to contend with, but if we think about a healthy individual, otherwise healthy, then they've lost their muscle. It does make them less able to cope in day-to-day -day life. When we are in middle age and our hormones start to fluctuate, we women, so when we are in childbearing years, you know, the pre-menopause time, then we have uh, estrogen and progesterone working in nice harmony, you know, cycling throughout the menstrual cycle. But as we get older, then those the level of both of those hormones starts to decline and for women estrogen is really our muscle maintaining growing hormone so as that 
declines, then our muscles suffer. And what we need to be doing in order to kind of make up for the fact that we're losing the estrogen is strength training. And really it's about lifting heavy weights. And the, one of the reasons that it is super important to start as soon as possible and not wait until you notice that, hey, actually now I'm having trouble walking up the stairs or I'm having trouble picking up my groceries, is that it is way easier for us to build our strength back and maintain those muscles rather than lose them and then try to build them back up when we're already in menopause because of these hormonal changes, which make that more challenging. Then if we look at the actual muscles themselves, there are different types of muscle fibers. And I'm not going to go into all the complexity of this. You talk about type one muscle fibers and type two muscle fibers. And the difference between those is that the type one muscle fibers are uh, the ones that we use kind of in everyday life, right? If any time you move, those fibers are recruited first by your body. So you lift your finger, you move your arm, type one fibers go. And they are really good fibers. They are high endurance. So they recover very quickly from having to do something. They're not super strong though, right? They're smaller and weaker. They don't have much power to sort of like get us a boost, but that's type one fibers. And then the other types of fibers we have are type two muscle fibers. Those are like fast twitch muscle fibers. And these are only recruited when type one muscle fibers can't get the job done. So like I said, the type one muscle fibers, they are weaker, you know, they don't have the power. So when you need a little extra boost, then these type two fibers are, they come into play. And so let's say you need to lift yourself off, off a chair, you know, your first motions will probably be more type one motions. And then when you actually need to make that push to get yourself up, then that's going to be type two helping you. If you're out hiking, you know, if you're walking, you're using a lot of your type one muscle fibers and, you know, you're, you're doing just fine. And then you need to do a extra lift onto a high rock or take a step up. Then your type two muscle fibers are going to come into play. And these give us speed and strength and power. And they also are ones which uh, increase our muscle size as we develop those. And it's these type two fibers, which are the ones we predominantly lose as we age. And so that's one of the reasons why you see people getting like kind of thinner. I noticed this really, really in my mother, actually this past summer, I hadn't seen her in, I mean, two months. It really was not a long time. I hadn't seen her in a couple months. And I was like, oh my God, mom, you were suddenly like this stick and it was like her muscles had just disappeared from her arms and her shoulders and everything. Well, she had lost weight. And, and when she lost the weight, then her muscles came off too. But in any case, it's these type two muscle fibers that you are losing with age and which are one of the main concerns when we think about like being able to manage in life when you are, you know, older. And so interesting things about these type one and type two muscle fibers is that they are found in different proportions 
in our various muscles. So my bicep muscle or tricep muscle may have different proportions of type one and type two fibers. So when I work my biceps and triceps, it may be that I have an easier time like seeing a significant size increase in my biceps versus my triceps or maybe my glutes or whatever. So if you notice in your own body, when you're doing your strength training that, hey, you know, I'm really able to develop my shoulders or wow, my booties are really like getting strong, then those muscle fiber types may be part of the reason why one part is responding more than the other. Of course, it could also be your programming and how hard you're working them. And and sometimes it is that, you know, when you have muscles that are strong and are responding, then you have more fun training them and train them a little bit more. And then, you know, it kind of compounds like that. But there is this biological difference. And by the way, so this difference is also between people. If you do the exact same exercise program as somebody else, you are going to see different results, not only in your strength, but also in how you look. And, you know, this shouldn't actually come as a surprise because all of us are different. If you compare yourself to your best friend, okay, unless it happens to be your identical twin, you know, you are going to notice that, hey, our arms are a little bit different length, our body proportions, where we gain fat, you know, also where you put on muscle is going to be different. And this is important to understand also when you are following a fitness influencer and you're like, oh my God, she has a great ass. What the heck has she been doing to get that, you know, her butt to look so great? You may do exactly what that person does and end up with completely different looking results, right? So, and that has to do with not only the muscle part, but also that, uh, also how you, you put fat on your body is different and how that person puts fat on their body is different. And so the combination just, you end up with different results. And just as a complete aside, just so that you're aware that those exercises that people are showing on Instagram are and other social media platforms are really often not the exercises that got those people to those results, right? So it may be that they've been doing a lot of weight training before, you know, or they're doing something else also. I mean, a classic example, uh, there's one fitness influencer who has even written a book on like 15 minutes is enough. And she has all kinds of exercise sessions where she's doing her home workouts, you know, which are, well, actually usually more than 15 minutes, but then actually she has revealed that she does work with a trainer in a gym and does weight training. So it's like, okay, right? But that's how it goes. So your results will look different from other people's results. And, um, and then another thing to understand, and which is really important when you're starting weight training is that when you start exercising in weight training, there are kind of things that happen in your body, right? So let's say you pick up a new exercise. First time you have ever done a bicep curl, for example, or let's choose something a little bit more complicated. So first time that you have ever done a squat. So the first thing that is going to happen is that your body needs to actually learn kind of the choreography of that move. It's got to learn how to coordinate itself, how to maintain balance, 
how to use the muscles, all those things. So there's actually a period of learning where you may notice that, oh, you know, it's getting easier to do these squats or I'm able to add weights fairly quickly. And it's not so much about that your muscles are getting stronger all the time, but it's that your central nervous system is learning how to do that exercise more efficiently. Another thing to keep in mind when you're doing exercises is the role of fatigue. All right. So this is something that I'll be talking about or mentioning later when we're discussing different exercises and kind of um, pros and cons of different exercises. So fatigue is really a thing, right? So if you think about that, you really want to trigger these type two muscle fibers, the best time to be able to get your central nervous system and your body to really uh, use them is when you're fresh, right? So this means like, Hey, don't go do your cardio class first and then come to the weight room because your body is already like tired. You have generalized like fatigue through your body. So it's best to start training when you are fresh. And then (laughs) the thing that's really different about weight training versus let's say cardio training is that you actually take breaks in your workout session. So for me, um, because I'm really focused around building muscle mass right now, I am very careful with this, making sure that if I do, for example, um, you know, a set of Bulgarian split squats, then I take a long enough break that I've like recovered my breathing, (laughs) that my legs feel a little bit more fresh, and I can pretty much do the same set again. If I take too short of a break, then what I'll notice is that I won't be able to do as many reps, right? So that's what tells me that I haven't taken a long enough break. Um, So I want to make sure that I've allowed my body to recover so that I can, again, stimulate and recruit those muscles and work harder. And, uh, And one more thing to mention here is that if you have areas of your body which are uh, maybe not developing as quickly or are weaker. Uh, For example, I have my hamstrings, which are an area that I am working on strengthening due to an old injury. My muscles have gotten to the state where my left hamstring is weaker than my right hamstring, and I'm trying to even out that imbalance. I always start with my hamstring exercises because then they're fresh, ready to go, and I can really get after them. So the key things that I want you to take away from here are A, that unless you're working on maintaining your muscles, you are losing muscle mass as you age. And it's in particular these type two muscle fibers, which are the ones that give us strength and power, right? And they also happen to be the ones that grow when we do weight training. And that the role of estrogen is really key for women when we are talking about muscle maintenance and muscle building. So it is going to be easier for you to build your muscles 
before you hit perimenopause. And then in perimenopause, it's going to get a little bit harder. And then in postmenopause, it is going to be the most challenging. It is possible. I am doing it. I'm living proof that it's possible. But it's going to be harder in postmenopause because you don't have the estrogen kind of supporting that as well. So, and in order to build strength and power, we really need to be getting after those type two muscle fibers. And that means lifting heavy enough that they are actually taken into use. And then finally, don't forget about the role of the nervous system in muscle building. So that was like the very quick basics on muscle biology and things you need to know when you start weight training. And if you enjoyed the podcast and learned something, then please share and also subscribe. If you want to get started weight training, then I'm here for you. I do both one-to-one coaching and I also have a 12-week Kickstarter program online All the information is in the show notes. So talk to you next time.